Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you believe in yourself. This week's guest is Karina Popovich, who is a business student at Cornell University with a really interesting and unique passion. Her self-proclaimed superpower is 3D printing. So without further ado, let's get started. Absolutely. So my, my name is Karina Popovich and I am the founder of Makers for COVID-19 and we are a band of hobbyists and we're all 3D printing PPE so that personal protective equipment so that we can donate it to medical workers and really anyone who's in need of PPE during this time. And uh, a lot of what I do outside of Makers for COVID-19 is continue to pursue my, my passions for social entrepreneurship, 3D printing, and really that means a number of different things to me. So um, whether that be looking to solve a problem that has to do with the 3D printing industry, or you're using 3D printers to make PPE, or even something completely different like teaching more more students about 3D printing so that they can really be curious about STEM and realize that they can solve some of the world's biggest problems. So that's a little bit about me. So as Karina shared, she is working on this amazing project to create PPE for healthcare workers and for others in need. I asked Karina to tell me about how she's been using her superpower of 3D printing in the fight against COVID-19. Absolutely. So I'll just start off by saying that I think 3D printing in general is just a superpower. I think it's just one of the coolest things ever. And for me, I, I just really what 3D printing is, is the power to be able to make something out of nothing. And I think there's just something so, so beautiful and so powerful in that. And that's why I always say, you know, 3D printing is my superpower, but I also hope to, to share my superpower with others and, and make other people realize that they can do it too and with, with ease because 3D printing is so easy and too many people don't realize it. But um, for my story with Makers for COVID-19, it it's actually kind of unique, uh, like I'm sure most COVID response stories are, but I back then was working on actually a 3D printed clothing line because I was just really interested in how 3D printing could be used to create super creative designs and really do something fun like that. And it was around that time that COVID was really kind of spiking up and, and really at its peak in the U.S. And everyone was just so surprised. Nobody knew what to do. And all of my friends knew me as, you know, the girl with the 3D printers. And they all kind of messaged me and said, hey, Karina, have you heard of this? People are, are 3D printing things. Like, are, are you doing something? So I, I ended up 3D printing something just, you know, doing it for research because, you know, why not? I had a bunch of free time on my hands and I realized that there was actually a need for it. I, I donated some to a, a friend of a friend's nurse. She shared them with her whole unit. The whole unit loved them. And it wasn't one of those things where they just ex like accepted it to be polite. It was one of those things where they actually wore it. They wore it around pretty often and they needed it. 
and that's when I realized that, you know what, this is something that I can, I can actually do and, and something that more people should be doing. And really quickly, I realized that, you know, people like me who are not affiliated with anything, but happen to have 3d printers want to 3d print PPE and want to be involved, but there's just so much effort and work that it takes, you know, fundraising for materials, finding where to donate to and coordinating those donations printing everything full-time, sourcing materials, all that took a lot of effort. So I figured why not just gather a bunch of individuals together and we'll have a team of people who fundraise for everyone, who, who, you know, collect places to donate to for everyone. And we kind of just work together so that everyone with a 3D printer could contribute and and help out without making it their full-time job. Karina briefly mentioned the 3D printing clothing line that she's been developing, which I thought was a really, really unique and cool idea. Karina's company is called Wear Alpha, and it's a 3D printing apparel line, which I had to get her to tell me more about. Yeah, it's, and I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it, because I was like, wow, this is just, nobody's, nobody's really tried this, like, why not do it? But for me, I really just, I had a ton of creative juice in me at that time and I needed to kind of pour it out. And I, I really love the word maker. I feel like that just defines me in so many ways as I bet it does so many people, but a maker doesn't just have to be someone who engineers. It could be an entrepreneur. It could be a builder. It could be a changer. It's literally you, Lily, (laughs) like anyone who's doing something is a maker. And I think that is what that to me, that was super powerful. So I was like, you know, wouldn't it be super cool to have the words 3D printed, the words make the word maker 3D printed onto a shirt? Like to me, that was just the epitome of like, wow, this is the word maker made on clothing. Like that would just be super cool. And I, I went ahead and tried it out and I fell in love with how it looked like and it seemed like everyone else did too. So I figured, why not? do more of it. And that's exactly what I did. And I kept designing and it was just the most fun thing ever. And in the whole process, I learned a ton about 3D modeling because part of this was, you know, experimenting with how to, you know, 3D print directly onto fabric or how to 3D model in a certain way that it would grip onto fabric better and making sure it was wearable. Because when you attach plastic to a textile, putting it in the washing machine becomes a whole other story. So you want to be careful with that. And, you know, figuring that out and experimenting to the point where it was completely wearable was just a a really unique learning experience and something that I've learned a lot from. Karina is also working with an organization called Women in 3D Printing, which is working to close the gender gap in 3D printing. I asked Karina to tell me more about the organization and about her work with them. Definitely, definitely. So my role in women 3D printing is fairly new. Um, And a lot of what I'm doing with women in 3D printing is making sure that the next generation of 3D printists can have can learn about 3D printing. And, you know, like you said, I, I think one of the biggest issues that we have going on with STEM right now is that everyone feels this intense pressure that, you know, I'm either in STEM or I'm not. You know, it's, it's one or the other when in reality, you know, I'm a business major. I have no business being in STEM, pun intended, literally none. So for me, I, I always kind of find it peculiar when people are like, when, when people 
I find it peculiar, but I also understand because society has made it this way where it's like, you know, you're one or the other, but in reality, you can be both. And it's the most exciting thing to be both because you just see a whole new world of applications and a whole new world of possibilities. And I think that is, is one of my biggest reasons behind why I want to, why I keep doing the work I do with women in 3D printing. I really want to, to show other girls and, and other boys and really all other individuals that 3D printing is something that they can do too. It's something that everyone should explore and, and try and learn. And a lot, of, a lot of what I do to achieve that is, is organizing a bunch of events with really cool people in 3D printing. There's also another really huge misconceived notion that people who 3D print uh, professionally, also another misconceived notion, people think that you can't 3D print as a day job, but you can, and it's probably the coolest thing ever. I mean, can you imagine just like hanging around with a 3D printer all day and getting paid to do it too? So the, one of the other misconceptions is that people who 3D print and are, you know, the formal uh, industry for 3D printing is additive manufacturing. Sounds really, really intense. If you ask me, I recently learned it, but I, it's just, people think that those who 3D print literally spend all their day in a warehouse and, and are doing that sort of thing. When in reality, people who 3D print are 3D printing Adidas shoes. People who 3D print are 3D printing rocket models at SpaceX. They are 3D printing your Invisaligns. Literally, Invisaligns are all 3D printed. We're on the verge of 3D printing organs. There's just so many cool things being done in the world of 3D printing, and we're only at the surface. So I, I think one, one thing that I hope to do in my role is, you know, organize these events, help design curriculums, help, you know, collect curriculum so that teachers can have more access and can have an easier time teaching students about the world of 3D printing. And, you know, I, in my part, I can hopefully organize some really cool events to show young, young women and really anyone that 3D printing is something super cool and, and worth the time exploring. As I told Karina, STEM scares me a little bit, and I've avoided math classes like the plague my whole life. But I'm very interested in education policy and was excited to talk to Karina about STEM education because she definitely knew more about it than I did. I asked Karina about her thoughts on STEM education in schools and to tell me about how she would integrate more technology into classrooms. Absolutely. I think I'll, I'll kind of go back. I have a bunch of points to make here, but I think I'll go back to my previous point is I think there's a lot of social stigma it's the humanities majors and humanities education is just so far from everything that isn't humanities and, and same thing goes for STEM and engineering and coding and everything. And it just really kind of is boggling because we're moving in the sort of direction where we need more people who are not only engineers, but also really good communicators and really can engage with people, can be creative. And I, I think in everything that I'm seeing, what's becoming more valuable is this intersectionality between the two worlds. And part of what I really think will make the biggest difference in implementing more education, because, you know, I think, I think the opportunities are there. Um, I just think a lot of things have to do with the societal impacts and stigmas. The, the kind of more we break down that, you know, idea that I'm either in STEM or I'm a humanities major or I like 
as soon as we break that down and and show people that you can literally be anywhere in the spectrum, I think that's when we'll see the implementation get easier. And as, as far as actually implementing it, I totally agree. I think I, I will say from my personal experience, I've taken a bunch of coding classes. I've done a coding internship and I'm not a good coder. It, that's not my world, but I respect, I respect it for anyone who, who is and for anyone who loves it. And I think one of the biggest, most meaningful things that I've learned in exploring to code in taking a lot of engineering classes is the fact that I learned to think like an engineer. And I think there's a lot of value in thinking like that and being able to, to kind of not only just train your brain, but to just have different types of ability, different ways of thinking. And that I think in itself is, is powerful, whether or not, you know, someone pursues STEM as an actual career. And I think having coding classes, having access to technology like 3D printers, offering all these classes, and in many ways, not just offering them, but implementing them into classes that already exist, I think is, is super powerful. Because one thing that I wish I had was it would be so different learning from learning about architecture and learning about history if there was a 3D printer in the room. If there were 3D printers that could print you know, models of the different Roman columns flashback to AP world history there was like we had to learn about like the six different roman columns i was like really like really and there were like different structural designs to each of them i feel like there would it would just be so much more memorable if there was a 3d printer in a classroom like that and it may not sound like it would make a big impact but i think for many people who are visual learners even just the awe inspiring fact that you know you can see and hold it and touch it is, is something that will, will is huge to just learning and education. So I, I'm all for just more technology and, and really integrating things together better. I was also interested to talk to Karina about gender gaps in STEM careers, because it seemed to me as though the anonymity of coding and 3D printing, just as two examples, could create more of a meritocracy than in other fields. I asked Karina to tell me her thoughts about the gender gap in STEM as a woman working in that field. I, I'm always a huge proponent of education for moving up the social ladder. I mean, I, I come from, you know, a village in Ukraine with horses and, and cows and like, you know, dirt roads. Like that's, that's where my parents immigrated from. And they immigrated here for me and my sister and for all of us to have a better life. And I think education is really the key to, to having that and to achieving all of your biggest dreams. And, you know, particularly with STEM, I think it's, you know, shown through a number of studies, but STEM jobs tend to be the higher paying jobs, whether that be doctor, engineer, whatever it is, those are, are high paying jobs. And for, for someone like me and coming from the background that I am. Financial security is very important, just like it is to many other first-generation students or really anyone. I mean, I think financial security is something that should be important to everyone and most likely is. But having, I think we still are in a kind of bro culture world when it comes to STEM. And I've heard a lot of really awesome women like Rashma Sajani speak about it, but you know, it's, it's still there. It's still present. And in many ways, it's subdued and you know, more kind of on the down low, but it's definitely affected how women feel about themselves. 
I know for me, I've faced a, a bunch of bouts with imposter syndrome and feeling like I have to be someone else to fit in and feeling like, you know, I couldn't be feminine because, you know, femininity is just not, this is not the place for it. You know, if I'm feminine, I'm weak. And that was, was kind of the, the feeling I was getting. And I think a lot of it is just the ingrained societal values of, you know, what it takes to be in STEM. When you think of someone who's in STEM, you think of someone who's, who's assertive, who's cutthroat, who, you know, they, they, they don't do small talk. They're just straight to the point. They're an, an engineer. When in reality, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think there are many, many people fighting to show that it doesn't have to be that way. And that, you know, you can be, and you could be someone who is, you know, a pageant queen and still can, can code like a rock star. And I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the, the kind of new, new dynamic of the STEM world. I think we definitely have a long way to go, but the, the effort that's, putting into, that's being put into moving away from that bro culture and being a place that's accepting to everyone, because also a bro culture doesn't just hurt women, it really hurts everyone else too, by, by creating this like notion of toxic masculinity and a bunch of toxicity that doesn't cultivate a good work environment. And I think that's something that is, is changing and something that you know we still have a lot of work to do on. But it's definitely one of those things that will be improving. And, you know, I think when, when we do get there, just the world of STEM will be a, a huge opportunity for women to move up the, the social ladder and to, and, and to really work towards equality, which, you know, it's a shame that we have to work towards it in the first place. It kind of feels like we're playing along with the system. But I, I think this is a really great, a great place for, for women to, to kind of, move forward and and achieve the quality that we deserve. Of course, I was excited to ask Karina my favorite question. What advice do you most want to share with young people who want to make a difference in the world? These are her words of wisdom. Yeah, I, I'm going to share like my most recent quote that I came up with. Um, and I came up with just because I was like thinking a lot about it because right now I'm actually taking on a project that is, I, I think it's really going to push me in terms of what I'm capable and what I can achieve. And my, my biggest kind of point is, you know, if you don't think anything is possible, then nothing is possible. Shoot for the stars and you might not reach the stars. Most people don't reach the stars or at least not reach the stars in a soon enough timeline, right? But you will get to where you need to be. And I think the most important thing for me is, is believing in yourself, believing in, in your skill sets, believing in your capabilities to get to where you need to be, right? Like you, you have to remember that you have what it takes and you will achieve what it is that you aspire to achieve. You just need to keep pushing and keep, and keep moving and, and work hard and you'll get there. But I think it's the believing in yourself that's the most important. And it's, it's one of those things that if you believe in yourself, people feel it. And then people start trusting you. And then you can do other bigger and better things that you didn't think you could before. And I think there's just, there's a lot of power that comes with believing in yourself. And it's also a lot easier said than done. I know, you know, it took me a while to get to where I'm at with believing in myself. And, you know, I, I don't believe in myself every day. I have my, my moments, but 
once you get there, it's, it's something that is, is truly invaluable. And as far as how to get there, um, I always say it's a lot of just taking moments to ask questions and, and be thoughtful about who you are. Also understanding what it is that you're good at what are you good at and and what makes you happy and typically what we're good at are also the things that make us happy so how do you do more of that and how can you grow and you're going to be good at different things at different points in your life but really capitalize on those things and and really ask yourself ask yourself questions that will move you in the right direction but those are i can go on and on about this question that's that's my few minute spiel i really liked karina's quote that she shared If you don't think anything is possible, nothing is possible. Many people come up with great ideas throughout their lives, but real change is made by people who push past their own doubts to actually make it happen. The first step is believing in yourself and your talents, because if you don't believe, how will anyone else? Karina is investing in her superpower and her talents because she recognizes that change comes when you believe in yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Karina on Instagram at karina.popovich. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.